This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. It wasn't until we started considering children that our mindset shifted from enjoying today to planning for tomorrow. After all, we wanted our kids to have the same opportunities and blessings that our family had provided to us. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. My name is Andy Hill, and today we are going to do three things. First, I'm going to share with you the steps we took as a family to become young millionaires in less than 10 years. Now, I'm very proud of this accomplishment, and I'm not sharing this information to boast or brag. I'm sharing it so you know the exact details of how we did it so you can do it too. Second, We are back with our FinTech Spotlight segment. This month, we are featuring our sponsor, Breeze. This company is focused on helping you protect your family with long-term disability insurance. Now, not a lot of people have long-term disability insurance, so you should check it out, listen to that interview, and decide if it's right for you and your family. And last but not least, my daughter Zoe's going to join me to read our review of the month, and we're going to have a quick chat about our chore and reward program that we do here in our house. All right, let's jump into today's show. After 10 long years, our young family has joined the Double Comma Club. We are millionaires. While this feat is awesome and we are really proud of it, it's important to point out some privileges we've had right off the bat. The first one is our average household income during this time period, our 10 years that we're talking about today, was $190,000. So above average, right? The second thing is that my wife and I both had our undergraduates paid for. Not a lot of people have that opportunity, and it can make a big deal as you are coming out of college and trying to build wealth. And then the last thing is our immediate family. All of us, Nicole, Zoe, Calvin, and I have been blessed with good health, and we have not had any major financial ramifications because of that. So I know a lot of people can be strapped with medical bills, medical debt, things that can hold them back, and we've been blessed to be in good health. So now that I've shared some of those numbers with you, as well as the things we weren't affected by, I'd like to share another number with you. Negative 50,000. Yes, negative 50,000. That was our net worth in 2010 when we started out almost 10 years ago. We were just two 28-year-old newlyweds, happy to be living and loving life today. We had no kids, we had no worries, and lots of time for fun. We loved traveling together, we loved eating out at nice restaurants with friends, and we went to a bunch of concerts that were a lot of fun, festivals and concerts locally. We just had a great great time when we got together. Life was good. It wasn't until we started considering children that our mindset shifted from enjoying today to planning for tomorrow. After all, we wanted our kids to have the same opportunities and blessings that our family had provided to us. We felt like that was our responsibility to strengthen our family tree for the next generation. Also, we thought it'd be pretty freaking cool to be debt-free, mortgage-free, and be billionaires in our 30s, so. (laughs) Here's how we did it. Here's how we became young millionaires in less than 10 years. I'm gonna go through 10 steps. So here we go. Number one, track our spending. In order to get out of the negative $50,000 net worth trap we were in, we needed to start tracking our spending more carefully. Our income was around $130,000 in 2010, so we had a lot coming in. We did, but we were enjoying mostly all of it. (laughs) And again, no regrets. We had a blast, and it was a great time in the beginning of our marriage. 
But the money nerd in me started to develop a spreadsheet budget that helped us track our spending each month and then track against our goals. And some of those goals included paying off $30,000 of student loans. Well, yeah, so I told you that we didn't have any undergraduate loans, but I decided to go back for my MBA. So I accumulated about 30K in student loans there. And then our next goal was eliminating the $20,000 car debt that Nicole had from her car that she had purchased. And then the last one is to reduce our expenses enough to where Nicole could stay at home with our kids in the future, depending on when that would be. So with those goals in mind, Nicole and I would meet every month for our budget party. This get-together that I fictitiously made up was a get-together that we'd do each month. It included pizza, a delicious alcoholic beverage of choice, and my nerdy spreadsheet. So during this meeting, we would talk about our spending from the previous month, our planned expenses for the current month, and then how much we could save towards those big goals. Now, Nicole wasn't as geeked about my nerdy plans as I was, but the fact that there was pizza and an opportunity for her to not work at a job that she wasn't so keen on in the future so she could become a stay-at-home mom, eh, she eventually came around. (laughs) Number two, living on 50% of our income. In order to hit our big goals, I proposed that we needed to live on around half of what we brought in, around 50% of our income. Nicole agreed, knowing that we would hit some big milestones because of that higher than normal savings rate. After all, we had a higher than average income, so living on a lot less than we made was pretty reasonable for us. This plan worked out great as we started to transition from Nicole working full-time to part-time when our daughter Zoe was born in 2012. The income drop was decently significant, but it didn't rock our world too much because we were already living on a lot less. So as we made those adjustments, we would adjust our budget accordingly. By this time, we had fully transitioned into a tool called Mint as our budget tool of choice. And we still use it today. It's a great tool. It's free, it's intuitive, and it helps us track our expenses easily online. Now, there are a ton of other great tools, and I'm sure you guys have read those on my blog or heard it through the podcast. Zeta is a great free tool that uh, couples can use. It's specifically used for couples. Tiller, if you're really into the advanced spreadsheet type of stuff. And then Personal Capital is one of my favorites too. It helps you track your net worth, your investments, and your budget. And if you sign up with my link marriagekidsandmoney.com slash personal capital. You can get that tool for free and they give you a $20 Amazon gift card if you link up a qualified investment account like a 401k, HSA, or IRA, something like that. So anyway, let's move along to number three, live a debt-free life. The 50% living that we were doing not only helped Nicole transition to part-time, but it also helped us to become consumer debt-free. Yes, we eliminated our student loans. Well, really, they were my student loans. <laughs> and we eliminated Nicole's car debt in less than one year with this plan. $50,000 of debt crushed in less than 12 months. Yes, we had a good income, but we used it to our advantage. So from that point forward, we vowed to never go into debt again. It was something that just didn't fit our life plan anymore. Not only was it financially freeing to eliminate this debt, It was emotionally freeing as well. It was one less thing for us to worry about in our already busy new parent lives. We were having a difficult enough time trying to figure out how to get Zoe to sleep through the night. The last thing we needed to deal with was another bill. Number four, take advantage of company retirement options. So starting in 2014, I began to max out the 401k option I had at work. And as a lovely bonus, my employer matched 15% of my contributions. So that means when I contributed $19,000 per year, they would give me $2,850 for free. Yeah, free money. So definitely took advantage of that. And lucky enough, the stock market had a lovely boom over the next seven plus years. 
So compound interest combined with my maxed out contributions and employer matches helped my 401k balance soar over $100,000 in less than five years. I took advantage of low-cost index funds that were available in my company plan, and they helped me keep my fee expenses low and my diversification broad. I had learned about the importance and the simplicity of index fund investing and diversification from great books like 99-Minute Millionaire by Scott Allen Turner, one of the first podcasts that I tuned into, and The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins, a previous guest of this podcast, and Unshakable by Tony Robbins. All of these books talked about the importance of making investing not complicated. It doesn't have to be. It's something you can do yourself. And if you have the interest and determination to stick through the highs and lows of the market, as we're seeing lately, then you can win. Another incredibly generous perk from my employer at the time was an ESOP program. So ESOP stands for Employee Stock Ownership Program. And they provided employees at our company, which is an awesome benefit, 15% of our annual compensation in company stock. And since our company stock price averaged a 20% growth over the years that I was there, we were able to add a nice chunk of change to our overall net worth. Number five, invest in tax-advantaged retirement options. Outside of my 401k at work, we invested in multiple other ways to grow our wealth and help our family have a bright future. The first one is Roth IRA. Both Nicole and I took advantage of this awesome tax retirement option. The benefits are great. For starters, your retirement account grows tax-free. Anytime you can get Uncle Sam out of your pocket, you are winning when it comes to your retirement savings. You can also withdraw 100% of your contributions at any time without penalties or taxes. That's contributions, not growth. But either way, it's great to have that ability. We max these out for years, for a few years, during our peak earning years, and that really helped us to grow our net worth and push towards this young millionaire mark. The low-cost brokerage partner we went with was Vanguard. Originally, we used Fidelity. They were fantastic, but over time, as I did a little more research really liked what Vanguard had going on, so we made the switch. Knowing how important it is to start early with retirement savings, I got geeked to get my nephews into it. These two guys that I eventually convinced were in their teens when I helped them to start their Roth IRA. So they had to have earned income, which is an important qualification of a Roth IRA. But my one nephew started at 17. The other one started, I think, at 18. And I'm excited to see where their balances grow over the years. It's because it's all about compound interest and continuing to contribute. But compound interest is magic. The other route that we took for tax advantage retirement savings was our HSA, which is a health savings account. And this is sort of like a super stealth retirement savings option because it's not necessarily meant exactly for retirement. It's meant to help you with qualified medical expenses. So if you have an employer-sponsored HSA, you are able to contribute pre-tax just like a 401k. And in my situation, my employer did not have an HSA option, but I could still take advantage of a tax deduction during tax time by signing up for an HSA outside of my employer. Also, your money can be withdrawn tax-free if you use it for qualified medical expenses. And the great thing, the stealth part of this is, if you don't need the money for healthcare expenses, you can use it tax-free after the age of 65 for whatever you want. So it turns into a retirement account if you are lucky enough to be healthy during your earning years and your living years. Lively has been the partner that we've chosen for this super tax-saving investment option. And the reason we really like Lively is they are a true no-fee platform for individuals like us that signed up and they have a really, really user-friendly interface. So you can invest your money with their partner, TD Ameritrade. And if you do the ETFs that have no fees that are associated with them, it's truly a no-fee investment option. All right, number six, continue to grow our income. While eliminating our debt and investing in the stock market has been very helpful in our young millionaire journey, growing our income has been the most significant factor in reaching this family milestone. 
Everyone's employment situation is different, but here are a few income growth strategies I used to continually increase my salary from five figures to six figures. The first one here, go above and beyond your job description. When I would get my job description and understand what was expected of me, I would do my best to go above and beyond. This way, I was always showing my employer my best effort, and in turn, I would achieve or exceed the business goals set for our company. The second thing was I would ask for a raise when I deserved it. When I would go above and beyond and not see my compensation increase, I would ask for it. This tactic almost always worked. I would do this in a written letter and an email and an in-person meeting. I would thank them for the opportunity, genuinely thanking them for what I really liked about working there, not being rude about it. And then I would detail my accomplishments. Here are all the things that I've done for the company and how I've exceeded those expectations and how I've gone above and beyond. And then I would ask clearly for what I wanted salary-wise. And then again, I would thank them for the opportunity and wait for their response. On multiple, multiple occasions, this helped me to increase my income and my position within the company. And the last thing I would do to increase my income, grow my income, is sometimes I'd have to take a new position outside my employer. So there were times when I knew my position did not have an upward mobility opportunity or just I'd lost the zest for my employment that I originally had and it sort of faded. That's when I knew it was time for me to leave my job and seek out another one. Now, when you do this, moves like this can also help you receive a fast promotion and potentially a 10 to 30% salary increase if you play your cards right. Every time I made those changes, it definitely worked for me. All right, number seven, pay off your mortgage early. Yes, since we were used to living on 50% of our income and we loved the idea of eliminating debt from our lives, we decided to pay off our mortgage early as well. The idea of never making a mortgage payment ever again was an incredible notion for us. This was not an easy decision, though. We had to decrease our expenses even a bit more to make this happen because at this time in our marriage, Nicole took the plunge into being a full-time stay-at-home mom. Now, this was an awesome sacrifice on her part, and I'm forever grateful for what she did for our family because being a stay-at-home mom is really hard. Being a stay-at-home parent is really hard. I remember one week, I forgot it was maybe 2015. I'm like, sweetheart, let's have you go on a vacation with your girlfriends. I'll take a week off of work. I'll watch the kids. You've been working really hard. So I did this week and oh my God, this was just a preview into what she did for five plus years. It was so difficult to be everywhere, to give attention to two children and to do all the things that need to, I just maintain a household. So that was a good perspective. Anytime you have a stay-at-home parent in your life, maybe switch roles for a week just to get some perspective. It's quite enlightening, I guess I'll say. (laughs) Anyway, we continued to work hard together, made these sacrifices, and we continued to do our budget parties each month while raising these two crazy kids and trying to give them as much attention as possible. Ultimately, we were able to pay off our $195,000 mortgage early and did it in just under four years. So on average, that meant we put an additional $3,000 extra towards our mortgage principal each month to make this a reality. Number eight, make room for fun. During this stretch of time, we did our best to keep the fun alive in our marriage. Yes, it was difficult with two kids in the picture and my demanding work schedule that often had me out of town traveling. But when we became mortgage-free, we knew we needed to celebrate a little more than we had been. After all, without a mortgage and the extra principal payments we were doing, we had around $35,000 extra to use each year. So the year after we paid off the mortgage, we traveled to Cabo San Lucas with our kids in the spring. We did a solo couples trip to California in the summer, and then we did a family trip to Disney World in the fall. It was a great year. 2018 rocked. Now, of course, being the frugal dude that I am, I found some ways to get maximum fun for minimum dollars by using credit card rewards and airline miles. Now, this can be a very lucrative but tricky game, so you got to be very careful with it. But all in all, 
We got our $6,000 all-inclusive family vacation to Cabo San Lucas for only 300 bucks. So yeah, I'll put a a link in the show notes for the written description of the show and you guys can check out how we specifically did that. But it is a lot of work, but it's worth it. Number nine, give back. One realization we had around this time was that we weren't giving as much as we'd like to. We'd accumulated all this wealth and we were pushing towards this young millionaire status, but we were only giving 1% of our income. Now, giving is a very personal thing and there's no right percentage, but for us, we felt like we could give a little bit more. We made a goal to increase this to 3% in 2018 and then again, ladder up to 5% in 2019. Through this process, we had some incredible conversations with our kids about the importance of charitable giving, and we just started to develop some really fun traditions around it. Also, we learned about organizations that made us feel really happy to give away our money, things that filled up our hearts, causes where organizations or leaders were leading and saying, hey, this is what we're all about, and we felt compelled to give. I was lucky enough to interview some of them even on my podcast. I had the chance to speak with Feeding America. They're a great organization that's helping people who don't have food in in America right now. And there's a lot of them, especially with the downturn in the market right now. Together We Rise is a great organization. They help kids in foster care just have a better life. Thorn is another great organization that helps to eliminate childhood sex exploitation on the internet. It's a horrible thing, but it is happening. So... That's an organization that's helping to stop that. And then Sandy Hook Promise is another great organization I had the opportunity to speak to, and they are all about helping to reduce gun violence in schools. So while giving away money didn't increase our net worth per se, it felt like a good progression towards the type of true wealth we wanted our family to have. Number 10, follow your dreams. After giving away more of our money and planning for more family fun each year, we still had money left over. Our original plan was to save up a bunch of money to buy our first rental property, and we had been doing that. We started to throw it in our savings account year over year, and after a couple years of saving and learning what it really takes to invest in rental properties, we decided that it wasn't for us. Instead, with our near $100,000 in cash that we saved up, we decided it was time for me to leave my corporate career and try out a life of entrepreneurship. We would use this cash as a sort of runway to get my small business off the ground and cover our monthly expenses for a period of time. I had been working in corporate event marketing for around 15 years, and I was just, I was ready to make a change, honestly. The places that I worked were fantastic. My last employer was a great place and they offered me so many benefits and helped my family get to where we are. But uh, after four years of side hustling on my blog and podcast, I knew where my passion truly lied and I was excited to go for it full time. Now, will I fail and need to go back to full-time employment? Eh, maybe, who knows, right? But will I have fun trying? Absolutely. So let's recap those 10 ways that our young family has become millionaires in less than 10 years. Number one, track our spending. Number two, live on 50% of our income. Number three, live a debt-free life. Number four, take advantage of company retirement options like the 401k and ESOP. Number five, invest in tax-advantaged retirement options. Number six, continue to grow our income. Number seven, pay off our mortgage early. Number eight, make room for fun. Number nine, give back. And then number 10, follow your dreams. Now, there is one special secret weapon for becoming a young millionaire in less than 10 years. And I'm gonna share that with you right now because for me, it was my wife, Nicole. I know that without Nicole's sacrifices, becoming millionaires in less than 10 years would not have been possible. Here are just a few reasons why. When we started our marriage, my wife helped me to pay off my student loans and my home equity line of credit that I had brought into the relationship. She also helped me build my career because she gave up hers to raise our children. Also, we wouldn't have the dream house that we have right now if she didn't find it. And on top of her responsibilities as a stay-at-home mom, Nicole side hustled as a home organizer. She sold things that we had around the house on Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist. And she eventually went back to part-time to support our family when I transitioned out of my career and Calvin started kindergarten. 
And in our 10 years of marriage, she has always, always had my back. Now that we're in the next decade of our marriage, it's time for us to focus more on fun, enjoyment, and relaxation. After all, if the theories of Coast Fire, which is a topic we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks, if they're correct, we don't have to save much for our retirement anymore. We've built up enough in our retirement funds that compound interest is going to do its thing, and we don't have to worry about that portion of our life anymore. And we don't have a house payment or any debts. So with that new situation that we're in that we've built, it's time for a long-delayed kitchen update, a hot tub in the backyard, and maybe even a new car for our growing family. Now, will these purchases put us below the million-dollar net worth mark? Maybe, because we're just a hair above it. I think we're at a million and uh, 50,000. But you know what? What is money for if you can't enjoy it? Yes, we did a lot of sacrifice for 10 years, but I think it's time for us to enjoy things a little bit. The future looks bright for our young family, and I am excited that I get to experience it with my awesome wife, Nicole. I want to hear from you. What would you do with your money if you didn't need to save for retirement, make a mortgage payment, or pay any other debts? What would you do with your money? Do you think the sacrifice that I've talked about here that we were able to do is worth it to become a millionaire in less than 10 years? I would love to hear what you think please contact me on social media at Andy Hill MKM. So that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, any way you want to reach me at Andy Hill MKM. I would love to hear from you. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. For our FinTech Spotlight segment this month, we are featuring our sponsor, Breeze, an affordable disability insurance solution that is disrupting the industry by making the process fast and easy. 
I've invited the CEO and co-founder of Breeze, Colin Nabity, to tell us more about this important family income protection solution. And we're also going to explain why people need disability insurance in the first place. Welcome to the show, Colin. Hey, Andy. Thanks a ton for having me on. Absolutely. Well, let's get right into the 101 of disability insurance. What is disability insurance? Yeah, so disability insurance in its easiest form is is insurance for your paycheck. In the event that you become too hurt to work, regardless of whether that is something that happens on or off the job, disability insurance pays a monthly benefit to help keep you on your feet. It's a financial safety net that can be used to, you know, put food on the table, you know, continue your mortgage payment, continue contributing to retirement funds, whatever you want to do with that that monthly benefit, that's really up to you. So let's talk about who might need disability insurance. Is this for people who have their own small businesses? Is this for employees at companies? Who's this for? Yeah, it's it's really for American workers that would be, you know, suffering a financial catastrophe in the event that something happened where they couldn't earn an income. So, you know, nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, man, I, you know, I want to buy insurance and I want to buy as much of it as I possibly can. And, you know, the goal is to get to a point where you're financially stable enough to not need it. But it's really a solution for those that are most financially vulnerable, where if something were to happen, it would be financially catastrophic. Got it. Can you talk to me about the difference between short-term disability and long-term disability and how your solution fits in there? Yeah. So short-term disability typically covers anywhere from one to three months worth of payments. Disability insurance is made up of three different pieces. The elimination period or waiting period, you'll hear it called, which is the amount of time you have to wait until you receive your first paycheck in the mail from the insurance carrier. The second thing is the benefit amount. You know, How much is that, that paycheck going to be And then the third piece of that is the benefit period. So how long are you going to continue to receive those paychecks? So short-term disability insurance typically has really short waiting periods, anywhere from seven days to 14 days to 21 days. You know, they'll pay, you know, up to three months, whereas long-term disability insurance is really meant to, you know, kind of cover for the the longer term things that happen. The, The goal is that most people have some kind of emergency fund or savings fund to kind of get them through the, the short period. And then they have a long-term policy that, you know, protects them on the back end if, if that disability continues to, you know, keep you out of work. Can you give me an example of why somebody might need a long-term disability insurance? So for example, like what might have happened in their lives where they're going to need something like this? Is it for, you know, a broken leg or, I mean, talk to me about like, what's a typical situation where somebody might get this? Sure. So I I think that's one of the misconceptions about disability insurance in general, just disabilities in general. You know, most of the things that end up keeping people out of work are degenerative diseases. You know, most most people think, hey, I'm going to have this catastrophic thing happen to me, like a broken leg or, you know, a car crash or something like that. But, you know, when you look at arthritis, you know, de- degenerative back issues that, you know, may start small, but eventually turn into something big that, you know, may keep you bedridden, cancer, you know, all the kind of things that, that you just don't think of. I think it's one of the traps of young people is feeling invincible or feeling, hey, I'm, I'm healthy enough that, that I don't need this. And, and it's something that's true in, in the life insurance space, too. But, you know, most of you know, things that take you out of work really are not those catastrophic events that that people think aren't going to happen. How long could somebody be covered? Like, let's say, for example, I'm a podcaster by trade now and I have something that affects my voice and I'm not able to do my work anymore or I'm not able to type anymore because of arthritis. How long can I be covered for for a policy with long term disability insurance? So the great thing about disability insurance policies is they're really flexible. You can get a policy that will pay out for as little as a year. You can get a policy that will pay you all the way out to retirement age. And so you can kind of figure out what fits best. The average, when you look at all of the the disability insurance statistics or claims, the average disability will keep you out of work for about two years. You know, so the majority of policies that that we're selling are, are in between that two and five year you know, range because it's a really good protection for for the average amount of time that most people are out of work. But I mean, there's a lot of people in higher income occupations that are, you know, buying things all the way to age 65, and and you know they want to be protected in the event that you know, something extremely catastrophic happens. Yeah, you mentioned life insurance earlier, and obviously, I think I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I feel like you hear about life insurance more than you do about 
disability insurance. Why is that? And why is that maybe a flawed thing? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a lot easier to understand, you know, like there's, there's no arguing life insurance. If somebody dies, you know, you get a benefit. It's very black and white. I think disability insurance sometimes is a little confusing to, to people when it, when it's really not. But when, when you look at the disability insurance statistics, the social security administration every few years does a study and what they've consistently found over the last 20 years is that at every single point during your working career, whether you're 25 or 60, you are significantly more likely to become disabled than you are to die. And so if you think about that, more people are financially prepared to die than they are if something happens, but they don't die. It's something that's not talked about, but it's definitely something that, you know, if, if you're considering life insurance and you are dependent on somebody, either yourself or somebody in your household to earn an income to make sure that you are financially stable, you absolutely need to be considering disability insurance as well. So it's not necessarily more important than life insurance, but it is more probable to need it. It's definitely more probable, and I wouldn't say it's more important. You're talking about two totally different risks, right? It's the the risk of mortality versus the risk of morbidity, right? So both both of them are extremely important. So yeah, definitely, I would not recommend substituting one for the other. Let's talk about the typical employee. So I'm working at a nine to five job. Wouldn't this be covered by my employer? Something like this? It depends on who your employer is. You know, the, the, the bigger the organization, the more likely they are to provide some kind of disability insurance benefit. If you work for a smaller employer, they may not. But when you look at the overall trends of the workforce here in the United States, there's a huge shift from how people are engaging in the working economy. You know, 50% of the entire working economy by 2028 is supposed to be, you know, freelancing or, or doing independent contract work. And those are people that are on their own for health insurance or on their own for, you know, life, disability, all the things and, and, you know, everything going on right now in a global pandemic, I think that it's just going to accelerate, uh, you know, people that are, that are interested in going out on their own. There's more tools today than there've ever been to be successful at it. There's more marketplaces than there's ever been to be successful at it. So, you know, it's, it's definitely something to take advantage of if you have it from an employer, but there's a, a really big market and need for it outside of, you know, kind of the traditional employer space. Thinking about my situation, I've transitioned out of a larger employer that had a lot of these types of benefits. I'm not sure exactly what they had with regard to long-term disability, but I know that I don't have it right now. So it's, it's something that's popping up in my mind as we're talking through this. So I wanted to get a little bit more information about, you know, the typical worker. So what's the difference between disability insurance and then workers' compensation? And how does that fit in? Yep. So workers' compensation is going to cover injuries and illness that occur on the job. And when you when you look at the overall body of claims, again, roughly 1% of all disability claims in the United States in any given year is related to something that happens on the job. And so disability insurance, and it'll cover anything that happens both on and off the job. So that doesn't matter if it's, you know, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday and it's work-related or, you know, something that you know, again, we'll go back to catastrophic that happens over the weekend when you're driving in your car or an issue that, that you know, has been stemming for years that kind of just gets continually worse and, and, it, and it takes you out. So it's a more comprehensive coverage than workers comp. And, and so those are those are kind of the main differences. Well, let's talk about how Breeze fits into this solution. How do you guys differentiate yourself and how are you making a name for yourself in the disability insurance industry? The insure tech space, there's been a lot of changes over the last years. And you know, if, if you think about it, the the idea of being able to apply and get covered for an insurance policy completely online is is still relatively new. You know, over the last couple of years, we've seen it played out in the life insurance space. But, you know, with with health records becoming digitized, with, you know, technology just progressing, the ways that insurance carriers and companies can do underwriting, all of that is in the midst of a, of a pretty fundamental change. And so, you know, the, the traditional insurance process inside of disability is, you know, typically sitting down with an, an agent or somebody that is walking you through a policy. You know, you fill out a paper application that gets sent in the mail to the insurance carrier. Somebody's going to come out to your house to do, you know, a paramed to take your height and weight and blood draw and maybe a urinalysis. 
gets sent back to the lab. Six weeks later, you've got a decision on whether the insurance carrier wants to cover you or not. And it's a really archaic process. And so what we do is we're pulling a lot of different data sets, both on you and, and about people that look like you. So when you come through, you can answer about five questions. We don't ask any personal information, give you a quote or, or a pretty accurate rate right there on the spot. And then it takes about 10 minutes to go through our application where we'll ask, you know, your lifestyle habits, your, your health history, just, just wanting to get to know a little bit more about you. But we are pulling data sets to our risk assessment right there on the spot. So at the end of it, if you're healthy and everything checks out, you're walking away and shutting your laptop with a policy number and coverage right there on the spot. So it's pretty transformational. Nobody's done it in the disability insurance space yet. We're all about making things frictionless and and trying to bring what is a really archaic industry, you know, kind of into, you know, the 21st century with with everything else that, that we deal with on our phones. Absolutely. Well, I think that's good news to a lot of people listening. We got a lot of people in their, you know, 20s, 30s and 40s that are listening to the show. They're like, I don't have time for all that process. I've got little kids. I got to get my stuff done at home and I got to make this thing happen. So talk to me about how much it costs. Like what can somebody expect to, you talked about this two to five year range being the most popular for you guys. What can somebody expect to pay for something like that? Yeah, so our policy started about $9 a month. If you're healthy, you know, everything everything checks out. You, know, you can come through and get $1,000 benefits for a couple years at a relatively competitive price. You can scale it all the way up if you're looking for, you know, more coverage. It obviously gets more expensive. The things that influence the cost of insurance in general are, you know, your age, your gender and disability. It's it's how much your of your income that you're looking to cover, but it's a lot less expensive I think than than most people think. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very competitive. And the fact that it fits in to the plan of protecting yourself, almost the probability, at least that we're talking about more than life insurance is, is eye opening for me, at least. So let's talk about like, let's say I need to, I need to have a claim. Let's say something happens to me. How does that process work? Do we call you guys? What happens? Yep. So we, we have a team over here that, that handles claims. You know, there's, there's a, a form that you need to fill out. But but what we do is we get a little information from your employer and then get a little bit of information from your physician as well that that says, hey, you you know, you're too sick or you can't you can't work. And so it's a relatively easy claims process and, and it's just a matter of you know collecting information to to file that claim. Okay, great. And then I just start to receive checks after a little while from from the insurance company? Yeah, it, the, the claims process can take a, you know a couple of weeks, but then you've yeah, it, depending on what your waiting period is, if it's you know thirty days, if it's sixty days, if it's ninety days, whatever that is, you'll start receiving your checks after that point. Well, this show's all about protecting families and keeping that peace of mind, so this is a really important conversation. I do want to ask you one question before we wrap up, Colin. Is you know you guys are a newer company, and as you said, there's been companies that have been doing this for a really long time, and maybe they have you know a reputation. How can newer users or new people who are going to consider you guys be assured that you guys are a reputable company where they're even at $9 a month that they know that they're going to receive the result. We've partnered with Assurity and Munich Re. Assurity is, you know, one of the highest rated insurance carriers in the country, really, really strong disability insurance product, but then Munich Re as well, which is, which is one of the largest global reinsurers. So, so you're technically buying a policy from from a surety that's backed by, you know, the largest global reinsurer. So, you know, in the event that something were to happen to us, which is extremely unlikely, you know, your, your policy doesn't go away. Got it. So you guys are a newer fintech company partnering with a solid life insurance partner. That makes a lot of sense. Correct. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Colin, where is the best place for people to learn more about Breeze and consider signing up for a policy? Yeah. So you can check us out online at Meet breeze.com. Again, it takes about five seconds to get your, to get your rate. And we've got a lot of really good information, you know, on the site on, on what disability insurance is, how to think about structuring a policy. So hopefully it's, it's a, a lot of educational value to your listeners. Excellent. Well, Colin, I know I'm going to go to the site right after this and check out how much my policy would be and see if it's a good fit for my family. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Likewise, Andy, I really appreciate you uh, having me on here. Protecting your family in case of long-term disability. This is a smart move for families to consider. Absolutely. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do one quick thing to support this show. 
please leave me a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Those reviews help more people to discover this family-empowering show. To encourage you to leave a review of this show, each month we do a book giveaway. So we received two reviews since last month's giveaway. And as a reminder, this quarter we're going to be giving away three different book options from past podcast guests. The first option is Beyond Piggy Banks and Lemonade Stands by Liz Frazier. The second one is The Proximity Principle by Ken Coleman. And then the last one is Quit Like a Millionaire by Christy Shen and Bryce Luong. And to help me pick the winner this week, I've got my assistant, Zoe Hill, here once again. How are you, baby? Good. Awesome. So before we do the review, I wanted to talk to you briefly about our chore and reward program here at the Hill House. Does that sound good? Uh, sure. Okay, cool. So on Saturday morning, how many chores do you do? I do three a day, but when I'm nine, probably I can do four chores. Oh, really? You're going to amp it up a little bit. So with those chores that you do, can you tell me about some of the chores that you do um, on, on a typical Saturday? Um, mostly I do laundry and dishwasher and sometimes the bird feeder and wiping windows. Calvin, and sometimes after Friday night movie night on Saturday, we have donut day. And then after the donut, I can like vacuum the kitchen and get all the crumbs out of it. Yeah, because we get lots of donut mess all over the floor. Mm-hmm. And, some, and then sometimes I clean the basement after Friday night movie night because we leave a big mess. Yeah, we do. We make a big mess on Friday and then we clean up on Saturday, right? Yeah. So can you tell me why mommy and daddy have you do these chores? Why is it important? I think it's because mommy likes to clean house all the time. Yeah, that's true. Because we're going to get kittens soon, and we want them to get, like, used to our home, and, like, it should be clean until, like, we clean it up, and then there's going to be, like, different spaces they haven't been. That's good. So if, if mommy likes and it's clean, do you think that by you doing that, it makes mommy happy? Yeah. Okay, cool. Because she does like a clean house. Like one time when I took like a candle off a little candle stick thing, she got really mad and then she like, Zoe, put that back on. It's not it's not even and it's not clean and it's and it's ah, it's like a pigsty. <laughs> she likes an orderly house, huh? Yeah. Well that's cool. Yeah, I think, you know, part of the reason I think, you know, we like to do it is we want to show you guys that it's good to help out the family, right? And having a clean house is a nice place to live, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. So talk to me more about, so you do the chores and then you're complete with them. And and then what happens? What does daddy do for you at that point? Since I turned eight on February 7th, like last year I was seven and I only, after my chores, I got money and I only got $7, like my age for my money. Mm-hmm. And Calvin turned six like a couple of weeks ago, and now he gets six dollars and not five. But now that I'm eight, I get eight dollars and not seven. Awesome, cool. So, what else besides the money does Daddy give you? Well, instead of watching educational stuff, we can watch like we can do like non-educational stuff. Like mostly, I do that Avengers game. You like that Avengers game? We yeah. Roblox and stuff yeah. like that. That's cool. And then you also like when daddy picks you up, right? Yeah. And then when daddy whispers in my ear, Zoe, I'm so proud of you. And then he does some other stuff. And then he picks me up and then he goes, no, we spin. And he <laughs> like picks me up in the air and we start spinning. What do you think you like more, the money or the whispers and the spinning? The whispers and the spinning. Oh, yeah. It's fun. <laughs> it's good, baby. I love that. Okay, so let's talk about the eight bucks. So then what do you do with the eight dollars? Where does that go? Well, some of them, like, if once I get the $8, I have a few for spend and one for each other jar. My jars are invest, save, spend, give, college, and I think that's it. Yep. So I give one in save, one in invest, one in college, and one in give. Yeah. And then I put all the rest of my money in spend. So you get four bucks in spend and one dollar for the other jars. Yeah. That's cool. So which is your favorite jar? My favorite jar would be maybe the spend. Yeah, because you get to buy things you like and have fun with it. What's the best thing that you've bought with your money that you've saved up? I think some of Legos. Yeah. Legos are awesome. Because I like building Legos. That's cool. And you bought that bike with all your money? Yeah, I bought that that new bike. That's awesome. Well, I thought um, maybe you and I talking about this might help another mommy and daddy that's looking to set up a 
chore and reward program for their kids. So thank you for sharing with me today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You ready to do that review? Yes. Awesome. Let's bring it up. So this month we are going to ask Alexa because we got two reviews. So let's talk to our electronic friend and ask her to help us out. That doesn't really work anymore. Yeah, I know. Alexa, pick a number between zero and two. Your random number between zero and two is one. Excellent. Well, our first review comes in from Stephanie P. from Texas, and she says a great podcast for marriage, kids, and you guessed it, money. So, Zoe, let's have you read this review. I began listening to podcasts for a little over two years ago. And when searching for new shows to listen with subject matter and applicable to many interests, I found Andy Hill's MKM podcast. I loved it and continued to stay inspired and looked forward to every week's episode. He has a lot of interesting guests with amazing life stories. Andy's own life story is inspirational. My husband Andrew and I have two young children that can relate on many levels. We are working hard to pay off our mortgage and aspire to reach FI. Keep up the good work, Andy, and keep the conversation going. Awesome, Zoe. That was great. Thank you so much. And thank you, Stephanie. I will be emailing you right after this conversation and ask which book you'd like from the ones we read earlier. And again, everybody, we're going to be doing this next month. So please leave a review. And we're going to be doing three new books because we're going to a new quarter. And those books are as follows. The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins, The Cash Machine by Dave Mason, and an awesome children's book that Zoe and I love reading called Money Monsters by Akoma Morono Schreiner. So please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and email us a screenshot of that review. And maybe, maybe, maybe Zoe will read it on this show. What do you think about that, Zoe? I think it's great. Awesome. Zoe, thank you so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. This month on the show, we've got an incredible, incredible lineup. June 8th, former NFL player, author, and financial planner Jedediah Collins is going to join us to talk about the magical and mystical Roth IRA. June 15th, the Monday after that, it's episode 200. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 200 episodes. I'm going to be inviting my family back, my lovely wife and my kids for a chat. And the conversation is yet to be determined. So if you have any ideas on what you'd like us to chat about, please contact me on social at Andy Hill MKM and let me know. But this is what we do every 50 episodes on the show. I invite my family on because they are the most important people in my lives. And I want to honor them with that spot. The Monday after that, June 22nd, Sarah Phillips is going to join us to talk about how she's helping her children become mortgage-free in the future by investing today. Very interesting. And the last Monday of the month, June 29th, Jessica Fioneer from the popular The Fioneers blog is sharing the multiple levels of financial independence that we can take for our personal journeys that can make FI a reality in our lives. It is going to be an incredible month for Marriage, Kids, and Money, so be sure to subscribe today so you won't miss any of it. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing this show and Alec Collins for bringing these episodes to life on YouTube. I am honored to work with both of you gentlemen. Thank you. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from J.K. Rowling. It is our choices that show what we truly are, far more than our abilities. Today is the day you choose your path, my friends. Carpe diem. 